Hey, Goal Getters. Cindy Kuzma here, co-host of the We Got Goals podcast. We have something special for you today. It's an interview with not just one high achiever, but four of them. One of the big goals around a Sweat Life HQ has been exploring ways to make fitness more inclusive, ensuring that everyone has access to the mental and physical benefits of an active lifestyle. And at the same time, too, uh, harnessing the power of fitness to make even bigger changes in our communities. So at the last Sweat Working Week in January, there was a lunch and learn called Fitness is for Everyone, Perspectives and Equity. It was presented by Cliff Barr. And after the panel ended, the four fantastic panelists were kind enough to step into the podcasting studio with me. They talked more about their work, including the goals they've achieved in this space, the goals they're still aiming for, and how all of us can work together toward equity and inclusion. You'll hear Ashley Rockwood of Free Movement Shop. She was on We Got Goals just a couple weeks ago, but she's talking even more about bringing dance to the masses and creating a studio that moves too. Tanya Lozano of Healthy Hood explains how she's working to close the life expectancy gap that affects people of color in the city. She's using fitness and some other cool things too. You'll hear her talk more about that. Colin Hudson, also a repeat guest on the pod. You heard him earlier this season. And on this episode, he's going to talk even more about how he merges fitness, art, and social justice through his work both as a trainer and with Soapbox Productions. And then we have Allison Rutberg, who's the founder of Wellness for Everyone, and she's going to share how she harnesses community and relationships to provide wellness programming to both corporations and to Chicago public school students. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation and be sure to stick around till the end because if justice and equality matter to you, our panelists give some really solid tips for how you can work toward them. There are some great ways to support the organizations that they are involved with or (laughs) that they run in most cases. Um, And there are also really some other solid small actions that you can do every day that can make fitness work really for everyone. So here is my conversation with Allison, Tanya, Ashley, and Cullen. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not a friend. Welcome to the We Got Goals podcast. I'm Cindy Kuzma, the co-host, and I am fortunate enough today to be joined by four guests. We just had an amazing panel on equity and inclusion in fitness here during Sweat Working Week, and I wish you all could have been there. But since you can't, um, they're kind enough to join us again in the studio to talk about some of the issues that we covered during the panel today and how this all relates to the goal that we all have of making fitness and wellness something that works for everyone. So what I want to do first is ask everyone here to kind of introduce themselves, give us your name, and tell us a little bit about your organization or your effort. Hi, my name is Allison Rutberg. I'm the founder of Wellness for Everyone, and we provide corporate wellness programs that support school wellness programs. So we work primarily with Chicago Public Schools, providing dance, yoga, physical education, just getting kids moving, active, and feeling good. Hi, my name is Tanya Lozano. I am the founder of Healthy Hood Chicago um, and the Youth Health Service Corps. The Youth Health Service Corps is an organization that runs a program out of 21 different CPS and alternative schools, fighting the 20-year life expectancy gap that exists between people of color and Caucasian communities in Chicago. Um, And Healthy Hood was created as an extension of that program. What we do at Healthy Hood is we offer a variety of different fitness and dance classes for $5. Um, We currently employ about 
10 different um, instructors, um, all instructors of color. Um, Yeah, so that's who I am. Hi, I'm Ashley Rockwood, and I'm the founder of Free Movement Shop. We started as a pop-up movement studio. Um, Our goal is to continue to pop up across Chicago and provide um, a moving platform for people to access dance and fitness. Hi, everyone. My name is Colin Hudson. I'm the founder and executive producer of Soapbox Productions and Organizing. Uh, Soapbox is a film and social activism nonprofit that specializes in multimedia curation of creative projects centered around entertainment, education, and structural social change. Uh, we coalesce cinematic excellence with grassroots organizing efforts by developing, documenting, and promoting racial, economic, and social justice initiatives with community collaborators. Um, I think the main reason I'm here is because we have had um, a couple of events entitled Fitness Against Fascism, where I've kind of coalesced my teaching in the fitness world, teaching fitness classes, uh, with this framework of looking at systemic oppression and how uh, that implicates us in our everyday life. I love how there are so many different ways to look at these issues. And, you know, we started, uh, you all started in the panel today talking about kind of a problem that you were trying to solve. But because this is the We Got Goals podcast, we wanted to frame that in, in terms of goals. So when you think about the work that you're trying to do as an organization, what is uh, your big goal and how are you going about uh, reaching it? So at Wellness for Everyone, our big goal is to get more programming in schools. And the way that we're doing that is focusing on spreading awareness of the need for these programs and then also providing a solution to an issue we saw in corporate wellness programs. So we saw corporate wellness programs focusing on exercise and nutrition and not seeing the results and the benefits for their employees of getting them active and eating healthy. So we wanted to provide an option for companies in Chicago to get involved in their community, to feel motivated and inspired to make good choices because those healthy choices and participating in those corporate programs would benefit kids in this city. Um, Just speaking on kind of our mission and and our goal is pretty much the same thing. we're trying to tackle this 20-year life expectancy gap, but we're taking a community approach to wellness, if that makes any sense. I think for the most part, uh, wellness and fitness has been looked at, um, well, it's the majority is, it's in these higher income communities. So bringing it to a to the underserved, um, taking this community approach is not so much about the aesthetic, but about the actual wellness. Um, our goal is to teach people to educate their mind, awake, um, educate their mind, exercise their body, and awaken their conscience. A lot of people in these underserved communities that are victims of um, white supremacy and oppression um, don't understand that that is their reality. So to awaken the conscious is a very big aspect of what wellness is to us at Healthy Hood. Um, Once they realize that they are victims of living a more poor quality life than other people, um, then it feels almost like their obligation to work out because it's that's their contribution to changing their reality or changing these systematic um, things that are set up to specifically target them. Um, So uh, that that's the big goal. We do that by offering these $5 classes. um, And by offering those classes, we're also providing income to people of color that are also a part of the community. Um, And we currently provide over 20 classes a week now. So um, we're meeting our goal, I think now. 
So the goal with Free Movement Shop is, or one of the goals with Free Movement Shop is to provide space for small businesses and people who are trying to build their brands or trying to have access to space that wouldn't ordinarily have um, the resources to support that. So I started Free Movement Shop um, as a four-month-long pop-up because I that's all that I really had at that time to um, run and operate a business. And I find that I have found success in that and it's grown and I want to do the same um, for other people, allowing them to utilize Free Movement Shop in our space as a um, an opportunity for them to, to grow and test their markets and hopefully maybe, again, create more spaces for people to use in short-term opportunities um, throughout the city. And, uh, you know, I think we need more small business. I think we need more um, opportunities for people who don't have um, a large capital backing to get off the ground and start from somewhere. So at Soapbox, a lot of our specific goals are really kind of project and campaign based, but I think our broader goal is to change the dominant narrative. Uh, and with that, I think with film, with art in general, um, the, the goal is often to try to subvert what people typically think or people think how they're not implicated by, like Tanya said, systems of oppression, white supremacy, capitalism, consumerism, militarism, et cetera, et cetera, and how we're implicating that in our everyday lives. And so I think the broadest goal for Soapbox is to really kind of just change what that dominant narrative is and understand ha- have people understand that everyone has a, a role to play um, and that everyone can be involved. And you can be involved in a very tiny way, a very incremental way, while still working towards a, a radical a radical change. It might not happen overnight, um, but I think all the things we do at Soapbox, we have tried to do incremental small step, steps forward with community collaborators um, with a radical framework and understand this things be happening under a holistic approach as well. So not only with our, our film platform, but also with our podcast, with our editorial, um, with our events like Fitness Against Fascism, and then just like showing up spaces of community collaborators who are doing good work and then just kind of promoting what's happening in the city. That's all great. And I wanted to ask each of you a little bit about um, some of the tools that you're using to achieve these goals. And these are some of the things that you talked about in the panel. Allison, you talked a lot about kind of the personal connections that you make between the students and the companies. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that and why that is such an effective tool in helping you achieve the goal. So being able to connect our corporate sponsors to our students at our schools is really important um, for a few reasons. One is we want people to know that it's more than just money. Money can make change, but it doesn't change you to just give money to a good cause. It might make you feel really good in the moment, but if you actually know the person that that money is going to and you can see that change happening, it'll have a lasting effect. And so we want every employee to be matched with a specific student and every person who comes to our event or gets involved in our organization to understand that every single $4 is one face. And that face is a child and that child has a life and that life will affect the city. And so if we can take on the responsibility to just do something, no matter how small it is, it can really ripple out and make a huge change. And 
Tanya, you kind of talked about the idea of the collective, about working with your instructors and really kind of sharing that responsibility. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that and how that helps you in your efforts. Right. So um, I think when we were talking about this in the panel, we were talking about um, this in regards to the idea of inclusion and I touched it a little I touched a little bit on it during the panel about how we need to the conversation instead of being based on inclusion should be based on the cultural aspect of why we're excluded in the first place and also the issue of survival so when we talk about my instructors a lot of the instructors when they first started again they're they're their own brand they own their own businesses and things like that so it was reteaching the instructors to base their classes from the perspective of not what they've witnessed and experienced in their professional lives because we've already all agreed that you know the majority of that isn't in the community especially in the underserved communities but to base it on their experiences from where they come from or from their communities so teaching the instructors that Let's format your class in a way that's going to be attractive to the people you're serving. Um, and by doing that, um, the survival aspect came in came into consideration a lot because it is an issue of survival. Being healthy helps you live, right? It, it keeps you living longer. It gives you a better quality of life. So teaching the instructors that, that that is how we're formatting our classes. We have to teach our people in our community that them working out and living 20 years longer is revolutionary. And it is them participating in changing the reality and also attracting them with things that are culturally attractive um, to them specifically. For example, trap yoga, <laughs> right? Uh, yoga to trap music, um, cardio kickboxing, which has a hip hop playlist, um, Latin dance. That's for the people in the Latino community who dance at the fiestas or at the quinceaneras all the time and figured and didn't know that that could be a workout um, and so forth. So I think that um, that's how those are the tools that that helped us get to where we are. And Ashley, I really feel like the tools that you talked about were just that joy and freedom. And how do you harness those to accomplish your goals? I would say that building something from the ground up is one of the most proud moments I've ever had in my life. So every time that I walk into that studio, knowing how hard I've had to work and how much time I've put in and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the stress and the excitement, um, it just like resonates out of my whole soul. So I feel like because I have that pride and because I have that work ethic and because I've done so much to get to where I am, I share that with the community of people that come to our studio. And to me, that's freedom. It's freedom to me comes through movement. Um, but freedom also, I think, comes when you go after something that maybe someone might have told you you couldn't do or that you weren't capable of doing. And then that freedom that you find when you see or you're living the moment that you didn't think was possible. So um, I feel free when I'm at the studio and I know that other people feel the same way. Um, and again, just going back to some self-judgment, that moment where you feel like you can't do it and you kind of kick yourself down or you're not good enough because you don't have maybe the resources that a lot of other people have. Um, so letting that fear drop away and just doing what you can with what you have. And I feel like that also applies to movement, right? So like you may be looking and thinking, oh, there's no way I can do that. But the second you let that go and just let yourself 
attempt or go for it and use what you have available, there's this freedom of like, wow, I can actually do more than I thought. I love that. And I loved what you said at the panel, too, that we're all dancers. And, you know, people tell you, oh, I'm not a dancer. And it's so funny that we do lead with that. But um, but yeah, if we let that go, what might happen? What might be possible? Exactly. Colin, you were on the show before, too. And thank you so much for being a repeat guest. Um, Both then and today on the panel, you talked a little bit about how you sort of use both art and language to change the conversation and disrupt the conversation a little bit. So I wondered if you could talk about how you use those tools or what other tools are important to you in your efforts. Yeah, and I think I think we're understanding this now, at least as far as like a movement culture, that we've, we've always used art in like social struggles and civil rights and black power struggle and Black Lives Matter and like all things happening today. But I think now for whatever reason, we're understanding that how imperative it is in the struggle. Like, uh, for example, like a banner drop, right? There's a protest, there's a big banner that says like, vote against this person or like this this is happening or this like this happened to Laquan or something like that in Chicago. And it's like with banner drops, they can be really beautiful and really like with pieces of art. And folks who are unpoliticized, don't know about a certain issue, if they see that, they're gonna wanna look it up or tweet tweet about it later or Google it later and find kind of find out what's going on. Especially if that campaign has a very strategic goal in mind to vote someone out of office or to show up at a certain place. And that person who was didn't know about that issue before can do that. So art is a really direct way as far as like that is concerned, as far as getting eyes on certain things. But also just again, like, I mentioned the panel a lot, I preach this to the day I die, just the narrative shift. I use the example a lot, but twenty years ago we were having the same issues with mass racialized incarceration as we are today, if not if not worse. But for whatever reason, right now, everyone across the political spectrum is talking about how to solve it. It's too expensive, it's it's racist, it's this, it's that, the other, and like they're all kind of right in certain ways, but it's like you know, we, we, we've been struggling for years. Like, why are we just not having it now? And I think art and technology is a big piece of that. And the fact that masses are, are politicized and people are kind of just, just know about it and just that awareness aspect of it now, even if I do anything about it, since people know about it, um, if you know better, you do better, right? So I think if we can affect everyone to do that, then, like, a change can change can happen. So um, I think art is very important. Um, I think before it got kind of a bad rap as being kind of fluffy and, like, didn't really matter as much. I think language is that way as well. Um, I have, we have a podcast at Soapbox called Bourbon and Brown Town. We talk about all different kinds of things. And one episode is called Welcome to the Gun Show. And we're talking about guns in America and uh, shootings and et cetera, et cetera. But one, of the, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in that episode was about culture and about how guns in America and violence in America isn't just siphoned to our gun policy, but it's how we just talk about everything. You get over the workout, you say, well, I killed that workout. And so kill is reference something good and positive. So every, the way we talk about things is in this same kind of mindset of, of violence being a good thing. You can say about cross war for a lot of different things. So I always preach the day I die about how important language is. And I think um, with me too, especially, and men feeling implicated and thinking about how we can't make certain jokes in office place because we f- feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a war on men or anything, that, that, kind, of, that kind of BS. And it's like, no, no, that, that, those jokes add to rape culture. Rape culture adds to policy. Like, words, words matter because words create policy. And policy harms people. Yes. And policy has embedded toxic masculinity. And toxic masculinity kills women. Yeah. Right? And so it's like, and people hear that and think it's like a stretch. It's like, no, this is very true. It's very, it's, it's cultural thing. And the thing that's hard to prove is like, cultural things, or culture, cultural transformation is, is hard to, there's not measurable goals to that, right? It's like, I didn't pull this many people, I didn't do this and the other. So it's like, it's 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 oddly hard work to do, because not only do you have to do the work and make 
the film or have the podcast write the article with like very good language where you have to like warn yourself and say, hey, this matters because it's all very important. All those like things we previously thought of like kind of soft didn't matter as much. Like it, it's it's in tandem with the policy, in tandem with who we're voting for. It's in tandem with all these things we talk about when we talk about radical change and all that. Like it's it's all related. It's all holistic. Absolutely, what you see and what you hear, as Tanya was just saying. And, you know, I think you do bring up a good point. And, and I do want to ask you all next about how, you know, a, a sign or a goal that you've accomplished and like a sign of success that you've had along the way, although you do make a really good point that sometimes it's hard to see, like, how can you measure someone's mindset shift? Um, and the problems sure. are so big and, and so institutionalized. Um, it's it's hard to see progress. But I also think that we probably do uh, serve everyone well when we do celebrate the accomplishments that we have achieved along the way. So I wondered if you could each talk about um, a success that you've had, something, a moment where you were like, yes, I, I've accomplished at least a piece of my goal, um, whether it was, you know, 20 classes a week or opening a studio or, or whatever it was for each of you. So one huge success we have is that last year we served 50 schools and over 5,000 students. And that number means a lot to us because each one of those kids, I can see their eyes lighting up when something shifted in their perspective because Students who haven't had access to arts education or physical activity are really limited in their capacity to express their emotions and to learn and understand the concepts that they're getting taught in school. So to be able to celebrate this huge shift in education for students in our city is so important to us. And later this week, we are presenting to CPS Central Office with the hope to expand to all schools, because even though the last three years we've really targeted the schools that were most underserved, we realized that this programming is really for every student. It's for every person. It's for all in this city to get involved and build the community together that can be active and that can think in a different way and be supportive. And so we're just really happy to continue to expand and grow and involve more people in Chicago. Similar to Colin's goal, I think our initial mission and goal was always to merge the issues, uh, the social justice issues of today with wellness and fitness. Um, and uh, I think that was always the goal and we struggled. I personally struggled with figuring out how to merge the two mm. for quite some time. Um, but one of the one of the most major successes of last year was the Young and Woke Social that we hosted at Healthy Hood. Um, that for me was an identifier that we had achieved the goal of merging the two worlds because it wasn't fitness related and it wasn't wellness related. It was it was strictly engaging people who wanted to get involved in social justice. Whether they taken classes at Healthy Hood or not, we had a lot of new people stepping through the doors for that. And we made a lot of relationships with some of the uh, local nonprofits that are are serving the community in other ways. For example, Save Money, Save Life. Um, with rapper Chicago rapper Vic Mensa um, is the founder of that nonprofit. And what they do is, is they teach high school students how to be first responders for gunshot wounds. Um, for a lot of our kids in our communities, they experienced gun violence, witnessed it, uh, had friends 
lose their lives to it. And um, what Save Money, Save Life does is they teach them what to do while they're waiting for an ambulance to come um, after somebody has been shot. Also, Chicago Normal, which is an amazing nonprofit that deals with cannabis reform on a policy level as well as just in the community. Uh, Currently, there's a lot of brothers and sisters of color in prison for cannabis-related crimes, and now cannabis is going to be legalized um, with our new governor. So they're working on policy changes to help get those brothers and sisters out of jail. And we had a variety of, of different age groups there, anywhere from the age of 14 all the way up to you know, mid thirties that came, um, met some of these nonprofits for the first time, maybe even heard of them for the first time and, um, gave them an avenue to get involved. For me, that was our greatest, greatest success. Um, there was also another really awesome thing that we did last year. What we created something called the Chicago Creatives of Color Coalition. So we brought in anywhere from graphic designers to visual artists to musicians um, to fitness uh, creatives, enthusiasts um, to a dinner. We had about 30 of them come um, to create a coalition as creatives um, to deal with some of the social issues in our communities, Um, especially because we're all creatives of color. We know that these issues exist, but how can we put our creative minds um, together to come up with solutions? So that was also another success. So that was the goal was to merge the two. And um, I think we successfully did it finally. (laughs) So I am just happy one that I was able to actually open the studio um, and get it together. Um, So I would say that was a success. Um, The second is actually doing the second pop-up. So having that first one and then popping down and feeling like a little bit of me kind of died in that I was losing this thing that I had built and that it was fleeting and it was going to go away. And then once I did the second pop-up, actually seeing that there was like even more energy built into it and that all of the hard work that I did on the first one was still there and that it had made a lasting impact on people and watching people return from the first pop-up, which was in another neighborhood, to the second pop-up in a different neighborhood, um, just, again, reaffirmed to me that people want, if they want something, they're willing to go for it. And just seeing people come in the doors every day is a blessing. But I would say mostly seeing people return and come to the second and continue to be a part of the journey is um, really rewarding and feels like a success. I kind of have two answers. One, as Colin, one kind of more a soapbox. Uh, the one I mentioned on the panel was about over the years as I built kind of my fitness career, so to speak, and kind of built soapbox with, with collaborators and with colleagues, being able to marry the two. So I have like a fitness-oriented Instagram to promote my classes and all that, but I'll often cross-post uh, either soapbox stuff or just, you know, so, quote-unquote political things as well. And so being able to come to a point where I can do that very unapologetically and still like have a job as an instructor, but also promote the stuff that, that I know is important and to have conversations with folks who I either work with or outside of that sphere and talk about how all the things that, that I'm posting are like they're all in our social world and they're all relevant, they're all are related when folks think that they're not. And typically that's a, a, a time to kind of check your privilege and kind of figure out wh- why you think that. And so being able to get to a point where I can have conversations with folks who I normally wouldn't talk to about certain issues that are happening in the world and how those issues are affecting all of us um, in different ways. And the second answer is kind of more soapbox related. I mentioned earlier how like it's very hard to kind of measure cultural transformation, especially with after releasing a video or something like that. Um, 
But with that, we did a project before we were 501c3, so we're technically able to do it. But we did a project um, trying to get folks to vote out Judge Matt Coughlin. Yes. He was a, a problematic judge in, in the Cook County Circuit Court, and he was voted out in November. Um, there was a whole coalition built around voting this man out. However, Soulbox made a, a video featuring two men who were recently exonerated, who Matt Coughlin uh, got locked up um, for crimes they did not commit. They were in jail for 20 years, and so they, they told their story, and we kind of did the campaign uh, around that, and he's out, of, he's out of a job now, thanks to the whole coalition, and like I think we were a big part of that. And it was cool when she released that video, folks did a message, Soapbox, or message me personally, and were like, hey, like I didn't know it was so important to vote on or not vote for judges in my like and during the election. I don't normally just vote for, vote for them all or skip it or don't care. Um, and I said earlier, I think folks are understanding how problematic criminal justice system is now. I think folks are like all broad swaths of races and colors and everything, but then, then we don't care if you don't look into the judges who are who were voting in or voting out. And so it was a cool thing to see. A this man was like voted out of office, out of his judgeship because his coalition and our video helped. and it, it changed people's minds about it, about how, how they go about voting. It's the first time in 27 or 28 years this has happened. So that was the thing for me. It was like, okay, we, like, we didn't just change one's mind. We did that, and they voted, we voted somebody out of office. Like, this is amazing. This is cool. So that was a good, like, measurable thing I can, like, look at and, like, point to. And, like, if someone told me they voted a certain way because of our video, like, I know that for a fact. I'm sure they were the only, only one. In tandem to that, I think this is more broad, but with Bourbon and Browntown, we started the podcast kind of as a thing to just, put our thoughts out in the world and can keep putting out a different issue or different a way to use art as a medium. Not coming from like audio backgrounds whatsoever, kind of not know what we're doing at first. We still don't really know, but we think we're better than we were before. But it's been cool with that podcast because like we'll talk about things in very like, you know, an academic way, but also talk about it in very everyday language. And so I've heard that folks, folks have listened to it and like, like it. It'll be like, yeah, we can, it can be casual. And we can talk about things, and we'll be, we're drinking bourbon while we're doing it. So we're like yes. kind of slurring the words, we're cussing more than we normally would. We're talking about like life experiencing and capitalism and how it affects us in our everyday, but also how you can make change and all these things we talk about on the, on the podcast and well as, as well as uh, on the panel today. And so, it, it, as far as meeting people where you're at, which is a theme on the podcast or the, a theme on the uh, panel, I feel like we've been able to do that with that podcast, which is thing I didn't really foresee when I started Soapbox. So that's been really gratifying. Well, it's amazing to hear about everyone's successes so far. And, and I know you're all building on that momentum for your goals for the future. So I wondered if you could each quickly tell us about a goal you have for the future and how you plan to get there. I have no idea why this like big goal of the future is like, what is the big goal now? Um, I feel like for the last three years, I just kept meditating on 50 financially solid contracts. <laughs> and so now that we have 50, what's next? So what's next for us is expanding to suburban schools, building our corporate wellness programs, because we definitely want more employees in Chicago, more adults, more people getting involved in this programming. We've seen the effect it can have on the students, and we now have funding to regularly run programming in the schools. So we have school programs running every day, but how do we build off of that energy? How do we build off of that change? And how do we make this continue to affect people in our city? Chicago has a history of being very, very violent and troublesome. 
Um, and those issues can be connected to a lot of different things, but I feel like at, at the very base level, if we start in kindergarten and work with these kids to get them to graduate from high school, it's such a huge change and shift for our city that our, our big goal now is to, to just watch what can happen once that's been put in motion. One aspect of healthyhood that I didn't talk about was our garden. We have a full garden in our in our uh, in our backyard, um, and what we've been able to do with the garden is have workshops and also provide uh, free produce for anyone in the community. It's honestly it's open; anyone can go down there and get vegetables when they're when they're ready. But this summer, uh, we're hoping to turn the entire. We, we only have a few boxes um, where we grow. Um, but we grow a nice amount of produce. But this summer, we want to turn the entire yard into a greenhouse. So that's one of our our big goals is to have a greenhouse in Pilsen um, to provide even more produce to the community that's locally grown um, that we know doesn't have pesticides and things like that. Nutrition, as we, with the Youth Health Service Corps and functioning out of all these schools with these children of color and them having to be kind of the the middleman between the curriculum that they're learning from us and having to deliver that to their family members is that the nutrition aspect, the diet aspect has been the most challenging. Um, and I think it's challenging for anyone, regardless of income, regardless of where you live. It's just really hard to change your diet. And unfortunately, that's a lot of the reason why we get these these diseases that we're trying to fight. So having a greenhouse and having more workshops and having kids and family members and community members grow their own produce will hopefully help them um, understand and be more excited to implement fresh vegetables and fruits into their diets. Um, so that's like a huge goal of ours. Um, I've been in talks with Rush, uh, their community engagement uh department about hopefully getting funding um it's a lot of a lot of bureaucracy right to try and get money out of these major corporations um and businesses and nonprofits. but i really do think i know we're gonna do it um because it's it's a necessity um and it hasn't been done before uh, there is no greenhouse in pilsen but there are some really dope urban gardens popping up in the city and just to go along with that, uh, we, we're expanding this year. We're opening up a small satellite studio in Hermosa. We're also opening up another community garden in the North Lawndale area, which I'm super excited about. Um, but we're hoping to have a healthy hood in every underserved community of Chicago. We definitely need to get to the south side. It is literally a health desert out there. They have no resources. We definitely want to get on the west side. So hopefully by in the next two years, we'll have about four satellite studios, a greenhouse, and maybe a couple satellite gardens as well. So those are our goals. We got goals. So I talked with Gina before about my goal of um, creating a opportunity for people to perform, for adults to perform, actually. don't think um, there's a lot of time in which we are able to share something that we've worked really hard on physically with people that we love. And so I'd like to utilize Free Movement Shop and the work that people are putting in as almost an opportunity for therapy. We've talked, um, been working with one of my yoga instructors on creating a program uh, to kind of remove the stigma that goes along with therapy. A lot of people are scared of therapy. They don't feel like they need it. They feel like if you, if you go to therapy that something's wrong with you. And actually, um, I feel movement and freedom through movement is 
very therapeutic. And so finding a way to um, create a program that is essentially movement therapy that then leads to some sort of cathartic release or performance that you're able to share with your community. And if that community for you of sharing is your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your four best friends or whoever that looks like, but that opportunity for you to open up and release um, what you've worked really hard on with someone else, um, I think would be an incredible journey for people to experience. So that's kind of where the performance thing has grown since the first podcast. But um, I think adults need opportunities to play, to share, and to be vulnerable. And um, so, yeah. So for me and for Guess Soapbox, it's kind of a, a means to the end kind of thing. Typically, we'll do different projects at different times. So maybe like a, a, a video and cross-platform multimedia campaign around a certain issue or something. And then we might do something be more into the podcast. Then we might do something of uh, an event, either a fundraiser or just a community event. Um, and I want to get to the point where we can do all those simultaneously. Um, then also get back to some narrative scripted film. That's what I kind of cut my teeth on in college. So I personally want to get back to that as well as inputting that into the broader soapbox framework. And that's what I mentioned on the last time I was on We Got Goals. talk about how to rob a TV show I've been developing for too long now. Um, but all that is to say, it's like I want to I wanna do the work. I want to do more of it. And But in order to do that... Like everyone's kind of touched on, we need funds and we need capacity. <laughs> and so I think a measurable goal. We just got our 501c3 status, uh, so we're not officially a nonprofit. Um, so we can get uh, donations that are write-offs and get that bag. And so, again, the goal the goal is to be able to do all the things we do um, 100% all the time. But in order to get to get there, we need um, you know funds, but also in-kind donations for like office space and just like uh, lots of different things. Uh, and also to kind of get our team uh, to grow a little bit. Um, we have an intern now, and I want to have an internship program, um, but I also, I was intern before, I know how that is to be a, uh, in a place that's not good for interns. I had a bad internship experience, and have, I've also had really good ones. So it's like, I want to have the capacity, the uh, the environment to be able to foster uh, young people and have them help us, us help them, and it'd be symbiotic. Again, in order to do that, it's always with capacity building. And it's not just money, but it's also just a community. And so I want to get to the point where we can do that all the time so the work can be done um, more frequently and just better. Well, it's incredible to hear about all of those big goals for the future. And I know people out there listening are going to want to know how to both support your individual organizations and also how they can be a part of this larger movement um, toward equity, toward um, inclusion, and toward making wellness truly for everyone. Um, so you shared, each shared on the panel, like some really solid ways that people leaving could could do something. And I wondered if you could share those again uh, so that the larger podcast audience can hear them too. Wellness for Everyone offers events every month for people in Chicago to come together and work out and raise money for our programs. So if you go to our website, www, I feel like you don't have to do the W's anymore. Everyone knows it. So wellness, the number four, every, the number one dot com or social media or on all of it. Um, you can find our events once a month and come out and work out for a good cause. We are also collecting yoga mats for all of our schools. So if you'd like to donate gently used yoga mats, you can bring those to any of our events. Or again, just reach out on the website or social media and we'll tell you where you can drop those off. 
and always looking for volunteers. So if you even just want to go to our schools and take some photos of what's happening, we have opportunities for everyone to find their own way to get involved. Healthyhood is always looking for funding, so if you want to donate any kind of funds, you can visit our website, healthyhoodshy.com, shy like Chicago. Uh, we have a GoFundMe. We have never received a grant at Healthyhood. We're going on year three now. We've been able to provide all of our services through fundraising in the community and from our members. That's a way to get involved, as well as we have a great deal of events coming up at Healthyhood. Um, most of them just require your participation. If you wanted to volunteer, you could. There's a few events that we do yearly, including Hoods Giving, which is when we uh, feed the homeless. We had 50 volunteers. This was our last, our first year. Last year was our first year doing it, and it was really successful. Um, we also have a prom event that we're doing for kids in the community who want to go to prom. So if you have any donations for that, you can drop them at Healthy Hood. Dresses, tuxes, makeup, I mean, shoes, whatever it is. A lot of our kids don't go to prom because they just can't afford it. So that's another thing coming up. And, and you can stay updated on the website. We have a full calendar on there of events. Please come to the next Young and Woke Social that's coming up this summer. We're renting out an entire park district. So I'm super excited about that. When we asked this question in the panel, I just basically said that I think you should do whatever you can by any means that you have available to you. And if that means that it's your time or, you know, if it is donating a prom dress or whatever it is, just actually do that one thing and don't be defeated in thinking you don't have something to give because we all do. Um, at Free Movement Shop, we do take um, gently used athletic apparel in exchange for class credit. So if you have, um, you know, workout tops that don't fit anymore or pants that don't fit anymore, we will take it in at the studio and exchange that for class credit for you to take class with us. And then we donate those items to Girls on the Run or Girl Forward, any of the organizations that we work with that are getting youth um, active and mobile in their communities. But again, it's just about actually doing something, we all have the capacity to give something of ourselves and in turn uh, enhance our lives. So I think everyone can do something. Just do it. This is not, this is not a Nike ad. <laughs> but Nike, if you want to sponsor me, I'm really open to it. <laughs> so on the panel, I talked about um, kind of finding your issue and showing up. It's really easy to kind of get caught in the noise as far as bad things that are happening, good things that are happening especially over the past five years or so, with a lot of things being more salient in the political sphere. They're always happening behind the scenes, but technology, art, all that stuff makes it, brings it to the forefront. Um, so, yeah, kind of finding what you're passionate about, and you might care about a, ho a whole host of things, but maybe have a certain education in something that you really know more about. Finding that issue and then just kind of finding what organizations are, are doing that work and talking to some of the groups or organizations that are represented on this panel at the event and now as far as who's doing what, I think, if, uh, like, I don't know, the past couple of years of Soapbox doing work, we've, like, traversed a lot of different spaces and met a lot of different cool people who are doing stuff. So on the ground, we're working on a certain campaign or working on a certain issue, but we know someone who is. So, um, again, kind of find your, find your issue, show up, educate yourself a little more, um, vote. Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, generally just voting in general, knowing how things are happening in your community, not just federal elections, but what's happening on the block, who's your older person, um, voting them out, voting them in. Again, I don't know this is coming out, but February 26th is the municipal elections in Chicago. The last thing I said on the panel, and I kind of almost forgot, but I said, talk to your racist grandma. 
um, as very literal, but also I, I find that we have these conversations out in spaces like this, either on a podcast or on a panel in an event or something. But a lot of times at home, we don't have those conversations with our, our loved ones or with our family or whatever. Um, and that can be really scary, especially if you if you feel like you don't have the language to express how you feel, you feel you don't know enough to explain something to somebody. Sometimes like the facts and stats don't matter to them. Oftentimes they don't. Uh, and so I think those conversations are still important. I think no one's no one's just too old to be set in their ways and it doesn't matter anymore. So you know you care about someone, you love them. Um, so it, it's irresponsible not to have that conversation with them, even though it's difficult. Doing that conversation with someone you love will make it easier to have that conversation, you know, online or, or for people you don't you don't know as well. Um, all the plugs at Soapbox PO on everything. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Soapbox, P is a production, O is an organizing.com. Our podcast is Bourbon in Browntown. It's apostrophe in Browntown because we're like hip, I guess. We don't have any events coming up necessarily, but we have new podcast episodes, probably at least two a month. And then we have a newsletter as well. So if you scroll down to the bottom of our website, it's on every page. Sign up for the newsletter so you, so you know what's going on. If you have any events, come through. Well, I can't thank you all enough for being a part of this conversation today, both on the panel and here on the podcast. And I feel, and I hope that our listeners do too, feel both informed and inspired and empowered. You've shared some of the really big problems that still face us and some of the important work that you're all doing and also opened the door for us to help. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. Girl, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And hey, if you could leave us a rating or a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to all four of our guests this week. To Ryan Deffert for editing, Tech Nexus for the recording studio, and of course, a very special thanks to you, our listeners.